This is a public service announcement that's actually dedicated to Bobby's wife. This is coming to you live from the Jills at Jill's office. Okay, so what a lot of you might not know is that the best thing about Bobby is not just his finely manicured scruff, oh, I mean beard, or this podcast where he interviews a bunch of people smarter than him so he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. As you all know, Bobby actually has gotten pretty lucky growing some successful businesses, but the biggest mystery to his success is how he scored his wife. I mean, if you haven't met her, Melissa is a complete sweetheart. She recently showed us some wedding pictures, and Bobby actually had hair back in the day. Alright, so at Jill's office, we're actually in the business of saving marriages because we know how stressful it is to be tied to your phone all day as a business owner. So we have a staff of virtual receptionists to help cover your phones 24-7. But now, we're also on a mission to bring Bobby's hair back for his sweet wife. So here's the deal. For every person that signs up for Jill's office, we're dedicating a portion to go to a GoFundMe account for a hair implant for Bobby. Shh. He doesn't know about it, and his wife doesn't know about it either, so don't say anything. So help us, please. We'll save your sanity in your business and help cover your phones so you can grow your business and have a life again. So help us help you, and together we can help Bobby's wife. Go to jillsoffice.com slash J-N-E. Okay, okay, we better get off soon before Bobby hears what's really going on. Remember, mom's the word. Have a great one. My name's Bobby Walker with Journey of a New Entrepreneur, and I've got one message for you. Don't be a bitch! What is going on, guys? It's Bobby Walker here with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. I've got one of my biggest, best, smartest, most successful potentially a little bit crazy, mad scientist, and definitely one of my, my most controversial guests on the show today, AC Lock here. And I'm going to be introducing you to him here in just a second. So I can't wait to do that. This guy has become a very good friend of mine. And our favorite pastime is getting the wife together and eating yes. German food. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so maybe we'll even talk about that a little bit. Yeah, before, eating of any kind is great with me. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, so anyway, I've got AC on here. And guys, I just want to say I'm uh, I'm just feeling good. I'm just feeling the love. I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying you know my new chapter in life that I'm kind of dealing with. I hope you're. I say dealing with as if that's a bad thing. But yeah, I deal with everything, right? But I'm I'm enjoying my stuff. I hope you are too. And um, gosh, I just don't have a whole lot to say, but I do want to mention one little bitty thing. Is that intro not amazing? The Jill's office girls. Now, AC, you didn't get to hear it because I put it in at, in post production, but uh i i love these girls i love this company they do yeah. a phenomenal job for both of my businesses and they're funny as all get out so i know they're mean to me and i know they make fun of my bald head and all that stuff but lots of love to them just go to jillsoffice.com slash j n e let them know bobby sent you and uh and and it's, it's pretty cool it's pretty awesome and, so. I, and I love the guy jills yeah you know yeah. So yeah, they don't call them Joes either. <laughs> they just call them Jills, I think. Yeah, they call them Jills. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to go speak at their uh, uh, one of their company events. Uh, it's been a little over a year now, and um, I'm still blown away with the culture. You know, that uh, mm. Brant and Autumn have done a, a, a commercial over. Now we're just talking kind of business, and since right. AC, you apparently know about them too. But wow, they've done a phenomenal job uh, building their culture. I. Um, 
one of the first things I did when I got back uh, was bought a little bookshelf for the office because, you know, I love books and I, I'm reading more and more, you know, the older I get and the hungrier I get for things. And um, one thing I loved when I was there, now this is just uh, a tidbit for anyone. Um, I bought a bookshelf. I bought a, bought a bookshelf for the office. It's actually just like this one that's kind of behind me. It's not that big. It was a little, yeah. I think it was an Ikea special or something like that. And the books that I've read that I thought, man, these have been so positively impactful on me. I bought a handful of copies of them. I threw them on the shelf. And then I've been preaching to my team, you know, hey, read these books, read these books. And you know what? Most people don't. A couple of people have. And right. so I'm not suggesting you buy a bookshelf and then you start, you know, talking about books for a little bit. All of a sudden you're going to change the whole world but you might change one or two people's world and you might eventually change your culture and be mm. able to share these amazing things that, that are breathing life into you with your team. So I highly encourage it because I know there's a lot of people out there listening that are like me and AC, I'm about to get to you, but I, I'll just finish this ADHD thought as it hit me you know, <laughs> on this bookshelf thing. Thanks Jill's office. But, um, but you know, you can apply this to anything, but we'll talk about the books. We'll talk about trying to impact your culture and, and something like this in this specific example. Many times I do not attempt a thing or let me rephrase mm -hmm. that many times I haven't tried to attempt a thing because, well, what if I do it and it doesn't take off? What right. if I do it and my guys don't read the books? What if I do right. it and I look silly? And um, one of the new things they see that my son Caleb uh, and I have kind of started doing is uh, we've kind of stole this from Alex Harmozy. We've become recent friends, fans of his and uh, our response is, you know, okay, well, let's say, let's say you, no one reads them and you look silly and, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> that, and that's our thing. And okay. <laughs> I, I hear you. And well, okay. Yeah, silly, silly is endearing. And Hey, yeah. while, while we're on the Jill's office thing, I got to do something real quick. So you reminded me to do it. I'm going to hit my voice text here. Hey, remember to invite Jill's office to soft wash a Palooza. I was talking to them about that. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. And, and AC doing his getting things done system. I'm a, I don't know. That's I, right. Talk yeah, about that absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, the point guys, I'll wrap it up quickly is um, first off, we've just got to fail to, you know, to get there. You know, I love the, the uh, Edison quote, you know, I, I, I didn't fail ever at creating the light bulb. I just found 9,999 ways not to do it, you know, not to, yeah. And, um, but I, you know, and I think actually, uh, I didn't plan this. It just, like I said, it was just the shiny squirrel that ran by and got my attention at the beginning of the show, but AC, you know, I know a lot of AC's story and I can't wait for you guys to hear it, but I'm sure we're going to hear some examples through this of, you know, AC throwing some spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks and then, and then looking like he's an overnight success because of the stuff that stuck. But to, to this point, not everything does, but right. we should always be striving towards the culture we want to create. We should always be striving towards the home run we want to hit. And it's cool if we have a few strikeouts, because mm. as long as we just keep getting up to bat. So, so that's it. Absolutely. That's a freebie. You guys may have just caught <laughs> me when, uh, I don't know. I just ate some broccoli. Maybe the vitamins are hitting me and I'm just, just ready to do this thing and pumped and ready to go. So that being said, AC Lockyer, how the heck you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fabulous. Uh, boy, we're down here in Florida, as yeah. you are, uh, and we're just about 25 miles away from each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are the months we live for down here in Florida. The weather's beautiful. Yep. Uh, it's not hot anymore. It's been hot the last couple of days, but we're we're in that nice fall weather. I mean, it'll just be beautiful here till probably about April of next year. And, yeah. and so that makes everything better. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, life is good. Business is good. Uh, just, 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 I'm very, very blessed as a person. Um, very blessed for a guy that I barely graduated from high school, got kicked mm -hmm. out of college and became a roof cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. huh? And, you know, and as you're saying, we, we, we don't live far apart in hindsight. I, I should have drove up to your office or, and we should have just recorded together. I, I don't know why we, I didn't do yeah. that, but we'll do that next time. We'll do it. Next we, time. We, we do have an entire studio. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should, should have done that. All right. I tell you what, next time we'll see if we can uh, reach out to Hollerbach's, which is the German restaurant that we like to go to all the time. And maybe they'll let us record in there. That'd be fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That'd be yeah. a lot of fun. So, but well, AC, listen, man, um, you and I talked a lot about this. We, we had dinner a couple, couple weeks ago and, and I was like, man, I want to do this thing and, and I'd love you to share. So, you know, what's up. Um, why don't you take a minute and uh, there's two little uh, shorts I'd like you to share. So the first short is, um, you know, I, I said, man, I want you to bring like a framework, um, some, some right. value that you can bring for my audience. I don't want to get into the whole thing right now, but can you give us a teaser as to what we are going to go over? Yeah. You know, mostly home service businesses are listening to this podcast mm -hmm. and we're a lot of entrepreneurs. We, we want to get hold of our lives. We want to create our own business, get control of our income, get control of our time, be the masters of our destiny. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us started from humble beginnings. I am a third generation service business entrepreneur, but I've had nothing handed to me. I, I had a rough start. I had a rough life. I, I started at $83,000 my first year in business, like many of you guys have started at $83,000 your first year in business. Yep. Um, you know, the, the big takeaway, the thing I want to talk about this afternoon is the fact that you know, you don't have to have a silver spoon in your mouth to be a multi-million dollar service business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is something anybody can build from scratch with cash, without investors. All right. This is this is this is the American dream in its essence. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people have so many self-limiting thoughts. They listen to other people that's yep. thoughts aren't much better. Um they invest in all the wrong things. They get off on the right on not, I'm sorry, not the right, but the wrong path. And before they know it, they're in the weeds, they're drowning, their business is going under. And I'm just here to tell you that there's help there. There is a path you can get on. It's not hard. It is work. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not hard, but it is work and you are going to have to work at it. But everybody listening today can be, a millionaire service business owner. And we're going to talk about how. Awesome. awesome. I love that. Uh, you know, you and I talked a bit about that the other day and you're talking about um, people we listen to and yep. um, gosh, I, you know, I want to be, um, I, you know, I just want to address the issue um, in a way in which I guess I wish to address it, but you know, <laughs> There's there is a lot of people out there that they're real loud, but probably not worth hearing. And, you know, the thing that we're seeing, I think, the most of right now is the uh, <laughs> I'll see some people and they'll say, oh, I'm not saying this is an easy button. And then all they sell is the easy button. And right. a lot of what the easy button is, is buy my marketing package. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, buy my marketing package, yada, yada, yada. And you and I were talking um, when we were at dinner the other night and. 
one of the biggest, uh, you know, mistakes that a lot of people make is trying to turn, uh, trying to create a marketing and sales system. That's that automated thing instead of mm. having that human element in it and trying to dump all the money, you know, over in that stuff. Uh, right. since then AC, I've even had a, I had a consultant call. Um, uh, it was yesterday or the day before, and it was one of these guys that actually got caught in one of those, one of those, uh, traps we'll call it, you know, and, right. and spent all the money and he was in the inner circle and he was paying for their marketing stuff. And, and now I'm talking to him cause he's like, man, uh, it ain't working, you know, I'm, I'm struggling and, and don't know what to do. And, and the problem is he was spending all this money on this stuff as he was advised to do, but his company wasn't at a, a size to even justify it. You know, like once you get to a certain size, you can do some, some things that, you know, you might not be able to do when you're young, smaller, but when you're smaller, you really got to focus on that boots on the ground stuff. You really got to right. focus on that low cost, you know, marketing thing. And that's, that's one of the things I respect about you, AC is, um, you know, I, I'm not in your network, but, um, I, you know, I've heard you share a lot of things and, you know, and the, the truth is, you know, like I said, you're, you're one of my more controversial guests, right? You know, there's a lot of people that, that like to share a lot of opinions about AC Lockyer and I'd challenge them to go have, go have dinner with him a couple of times. But, um, I, I guess what I'm saying AC is, is what I hear from you is a lot of stuff that's thoughtful you know, it's thought out and it's for the best interest of, of the people that, uh, that listen to you. Now I can already, I can already hear it right now. Ah, he ain't worried about the best interest of people. He's charging $10 billion for a skid, you know, or actually, okay, well, don't buy his damn skid. It's he's actually $998 billion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah. We're just splitting hair. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but it's great stuff. I, I, I respect you a lot. And, um, and the truth is, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, which you know this already, but, um, you know, when I first got into the industry, I heard of you and, um, you know, you hear stories, you know, you hear people like to bitch, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I've kind of kept you at a distance. I, you know, watched from afar and then we, you know, kind of connected a little bit. I don't even really remember how, but we just did. I don't know. We probably started talking at an event, which led to dinner right. or something. And, and over the last couple of years, you know, I've got to know you a bit and I'm like, you know, now I don't think AC Lockyer's uh, perfect. You know, I'm I'm sure you've rightfully pissed some people, you know, pissed some people off, and they were probably right for being upset at you, you know, at, at times in your past. But right. um, but man, there's a whole hell of a lot of good that that outweighs that stuff, and I like it. You know, and, and I say outweighs that stuff. That's even unfair. I guess I'm trying to be controversial just because you know that uh, it's fun to. I think what it is, it's fun to pick on the uh, the guy at the top. You know, and and you're one of those guys at the top. You know, you you didn't start this industry, of course, but you, you definitely helped form it. You know, you, you're definitely one of the people that, um, gave it some, some substance and direction, you know, early on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you've had a great deal of success and you made a lot of money doing it. And, and a lot of people are going to hate on that. So, uh, so that being said, uh, I probably said all that before we even really got into it. Give me the long walk on the beach talk before we dig into the whole <laughs> who is AC Lock here. But give, give us the elevator pitch of who you are as a person, and then I want to hear your your entrepreneurial. Well, story. you know what? Uh, so I am a just absolute overachiever. Mm -hmm. um, it's the only way I can really explain it, and and so everything I do, I, I do at like 110, 120%. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just go at it. And a lot of that's the way I was raised. It's my religious background. It's, 
it's some of its genetics, you know, being a third generation entrepreneur. Um, and, and so if, if you, if you read my book and, you know, we'll, we'll hold it up here real quick. I think you've got a copy yeah, right here. the five right pieces of pattern success. I, I talk a little bit about my history in, in the book and I have a quote in there and I say, success is but a mirror to some, it reflects to them and confirms the good things that they're doing to be successful to others. It reflects and confirms to them the things that they are not doing and why they are not successful, why they're struggling. If and you do so, favor, I, I don't, I'm doing working real hard guys, not to interrupt. <laughs> I, try, I I do the show by myself and I was jotting down a note because I'm like, okay, I liked this quote and I wanted to be able to come back and find it. But will you say that one more time? Uh, that, the success yeah. quote there. So success is but a mirror to some, it confirms and affirms to them and reflects back to them the things that they're doing already in their life to be successful. Mm -hmm. All right. To others, it reflects and affirms and confirms to them the things that they are not doing or are doing poorly in their lives and is mm -hmm. the reason why they are not successful. Okay. And so when you, when you look here, here's the basic premise of jealousy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And jealousy is what drives all of this stuff. When you look at the basic premise of jealousy, it's when you look at somebody else and you're upset because they're successful. Yeah. And yeah. then you try to either knock them down a few pegs or demonize what they're doing or discredit that individual to not make them look as successful in the eyes of other people. And the root cause is, is so that you won't be compared to them, therefore exposing the reason why you're not successful or the reason why you're failing in your mm -hmm. life. And that's, that's the root cause of jealousy. And so you, anybody that is out there trailblazing or anybody out there that's being successful or anybody else out there that's serving or making an impact in life is going to have haters. I mean, you look yeah. at Jesus yeah. himself. Jesus had to live his life, had to live his 33 years in his life and do enough to pour his life into 12 men, get them ready to spread the gospel, create you know, the kingdom of heaven on earth and, and all of this stuff, and simultaneously piss off enough people to put them on the cross. Yeah. So you got to think about that. In everything, you're going to have the people that love you. You're going to have the people that hate you. And you're going to have a bunch of people in the middle that are like, Who's AC Lockyer? Yeah, and um, and it's and it's not it's not about AC Lockyer at that point. It's everybody. You can take every sports star, every musician, everybody out there that gets into the public eye, and they're going to have about twenty percent of the people that love them, twenty percent of the people that hate them, and sixty percent in the middle are like, I, yeah. I've never even heard of this guy. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it's not really a commentary on the person. It's a commentary on our culture and a commentary on society. And um, and I've just had to learn to take it as that. I mean, 10 years ago, it flat out hurt my feelings when people attacked attacked me online. It was mm -hmm. awful. Now I realize every time they attack me online, my phone rings and it's wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Please do it again. How, yeah. So now you did, pee on trees just for marketing. <laughs> how, how, did, how did you, uh, you know, how did you deal with that? How did you process as a guy that is a sensitive person, you know, as someone that's very emotionally driven and, and myself, right. um, how did you get over that? Was it as simple as you liked the fact that the phones rang and I turned into money or was there some internal processing you had to figure out to deal with it. Yeah, it's a lot of internal processing and and having other people in your life that have been through it too. Mm -hmm. You can't isolate, you can't go into a shell, you can't 
getting the woe is me syndrome. And that's what the, the haters are trying to get you to do. They're yeah. trying to sideline you. They're trying to get you to withdraw and go in and disappear. And when you get the right people in your life, they're like, those guys are idiots. I can't mm -hmm. believe they're saying that. You're doing a great job. And they're affirming you and they're loving on you and they're encouraging you and they're mentoring you and they're helping you to move forward and evolve. You just stop listening to the haters. Um, and it, honestly, it, it becomes it becomes kind of fun when they hate on you. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, now when people lash out at me on Facebook, I debate with them and yeah. I go ahead and go toe to toe with them. And 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 I, I ask them questions and I don't get mean. Mm -hmm. I don't get like some people that we know in the world that just get into a shouting match or just start calling names and they don't really debate with ideas. I hey, don't I don't talk trash mean. about me on my own show, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> but but, you know, what we're trying to do is is if if somebody comes to you and attacks you and you come back and present ideas then what ends up happening is, is there's, it's called chumming the waters. When somebody's attacking you online, that post gets a lot more views than any of the other posts that are going on because people love drama and it gives you an opportunity to come in there and present ideas. And then the, and then the chum yeah. that's happening in the water, trapping all the other fish and this feeding frenzy that's going on. Some of the fish start to read your comments and go, I I actually agree with what he said. He's not that bad of a guy. Yeah. And, and, and these haters actually come in and create an opportunity for you to neutralize their attack by you coming in with reasonable ideas and presenting your ideas. And you find out the people out there that were just taking the word of the haters and saying, well, that AC Lockyer must be a mean, awful, nasty guy. He just cares about money. They go, dude, this doesn't sound like a guy that cares about money. This sounds like a guy that cares about people. This sounds like a guy that's got good business sense. This sounds like a guy that's making a profit, making his business sustainable. So it'll be around 10 years from now and still able to serve the people that he's reaching out to. And they, and they start to do the math and they start to think about the thoughts and the ideas and that you you've brought into the debate. And then they go, yeah, that other guy's an idiot. And he's just a hater on AC and AC's doing a great job. Mm -hmm. And I really focused for about three years doing a lot of that. And I watched the needle and I got a lot of advice on this, you know, a friend of mine is in PR and, uh, you know, and, and coached me through a lot of that. I had other mentors and all, and I just physically moved the needle all the way from the other side, from being Voldemort and nobody looking at, looking me in the eyes at a trade show to now people show up to trade shows and are like, dude, you're the goat, man. You're, you're just, you do so much for the industry. Thank you so yep. much. And I just blush and I get in tears. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was a difficult three to five years to move that needle over. Um, but sports stars have to do it. Music stars have to do it. Politicians have to do it. Anybody that jumps into the public eye yeah. has to get control of their PR. And that's what it's all about. You know, uh, hmm. AC, that's good stuff. Um, I'm debating if I want to interject there. Uh, oh, if it's if it's controversial, please. please <laughs> well, no, no, it, it's not that. I, I'm I don't think I have a lot of value to add. I had a thought, but I don't think there's a lot of value. There, so. um, okay, I love that. And, uh, you know, here, here's my thought. You know, here's my thought. I do think there's a value here. I, I'll edit it out if it derails this too much. Um. You know, I've been I've been working really hard. Uh, my listeners know, you know, you know, we talked about it quite a bit at dinner the other night. You know, I had right. this big bout with depression and all that stuff. And um, 
you know, and I was talking, one thing I was talking about was like when I first kind of got out of that pit, I was like, man, I would not deal with this again. If, mm. uh, I don't care. I don't care if I'm doing good on this side of it. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. Well, now I'm a little further out of it and I've been able to, I, I guess you could say just reframe, um, my, um, what's the word I'm looking for AC reframe my, my angle or my, my, the, the, the filter that I choose to, to wear when I look at it. Right. Uh, sure. Which, which is, you know, well, it wasn't good. It's not an experience that I would want to go through again. If I look back on it, you know, say like with hatred, you know, with disdain and all that, I think all that does is kind of, I don't know, it just is probably going to foster and create more negativity, right? You know, it's going to, you know, I, I, you don't learn much from it. You don't, you know, anything. But when I can look back at it and really, uh, you know, attach that Tony Robbins quote where it's like, you know, you're, you can achieve anything you want when you can learn how to make your worst day your best day. Right. And I, that my listeners have heard me say this a few times, but I always thought that quote was just a bunch of bullshit. You know, like I just didn't believe it. Didn't, you know, I thought, how's your worst day, your best day. But he said something, he goes, you've got to learn it, it, how to make your worst day, your best day. Right. And, and that's a very empowering statement, you know, and as you were just sharing your story of what you did, I'm like, holy crap, AC did that here, you know, because you could have, you probably were very tempted to go into the hole. You know, you were probably tempted to be like, ah, oh, gosh, you know, the, all these people, you know, don't like it. You know, you didn't. And not only did you, you didn't just not go into the hole. You didn't just fight back with fire. You know, you didn't fight fire with fire. You actually fought fire with water. You, right. you, you, you know, you called to someone that's been a firefighter before said, how do I put out this dang fire, you know, and then you learned not just how to put it out, but how to make quote unquote, your worst day, not saying that was, yeah, yeah. you don't throw you, gas yeah. on the fire, you yeah. throw cold water on the fire. Yeah. And, and the reason you were able to do that, and the reason I was able to do what I've done, and the reason people are able to do that is because they are able to, to learn to make their worst day their best. It's probably not stuff you wish you would have to go through again. But because you did, you got better. And not only did you learn how to deal with that scenario, but I guarantee you the skill set that you learned from dealing with that stuff you're able to apply in other aspects of your life uh probably yeah. with sales probably with leadership probably you know probably with all kinds of great things so um, you know you mentioned that tony robbins quote mm-hmm. and that tony robbins quote it, it's one of his greatest quotes and the first time i heard it i didn't necessarily know to attribute it to tony robbins but somebody else said it and you know you're a fellow add person you know so immediately <laughs> when i heard it my head started going you know, I'm off in Walla Land thinking about all of the stuff that could get tied onto that. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to um, my my own version of that quote, which is um, still today in society where we are in this world, there are still people even here in the United States that would gladly trade their best day ever for my worst day ever. Yeah. And it would be an upgrade for them. And so when you think about that, you think about, you know, where we all are in the United States and where we all are with our income and entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And we have some crappy days, but when you, if you were to take our crappiest day, we are still far more blessed than many people in our country yeah. and certainly most everybody else in the entire world. I mean, an American entrepreneur lives in the top 
1% of the entire Earth's population. And we are blessed to be there. And, and let me dissect something else you said. You know, you talked about your depression. Um, you know, certainly for anybody that's on this podcast, at this time of year, as it enters fall, going into winter, uh, a lot of people are wired up that have depression. Um, I'm a very nostalgic person. I mean, this time of year, I, I get all those flashbacks and memories and the way the air smells and everything else leads me to thoughts and all. And and that that is us as human beings. We're wired up to be that way. But there are some people that get depressed and there are some people that suffer from clinical depression. And yeah. clinical yeah. depression is where your body chemistry and your makeup and maybe even a little bit of your DNA makes you predisposed to depression. Just like an alcoholic is predisposed to alcoholism. Not yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. can become an alcoholic. Anyone can go out and get drunk, but not anyone can become an alcoholic. Anyone mm -hmm. can battle with bouts of depression, but not, not everyone has clinical depression. Is if you have depression, get help because you might just be a pill away from being a happy, normalized person. And it's a damn shame if you don't get to the doctor and figure that out. Amen. I, I, I can't agree more. Uh, no. I'll just I'll throw this out there and AC, you can throw out anything, you know, but uh, real easy step to get the help, guys. Go to betterhelp.com. Right. I don't I don't have an affiliate link or anything like that, which I did, but go to betterhelp.com. You can download an app on your phone. You can fill it out within five minutes, you know, get set up on that thing. And with potentially within 24 hours, you know, definitely within 48 you can have your first therapy session. You can be talking to someone that can help you through this stuff. And uh, do yep. you have any other places to send people? No, uh, but you know, the, the other thing is, is, is people who struggle with mental disease, mental disorders, um, the clinical depression, those things. Um, these are, these, there are people who have accomplished great things in life and have had these debilitating diseases in their lives. You know, even Paul in the Bible talks about the thorn in his flesh and begs God to remove the thorn from his flesh. He had something that just dogged him his entire life. Mm -hmm. And and so in my life, you know, uh, you know, we've talked about this. Back in 2006, um, myself and my fishing partner, I have to say fishing partner, I can't just say partner because people get confused on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But my fishing partner, Thresher Clear, um, won the Redfish Tour National Championship. We were the best inshore fishermen in the world that year. And it was a it was a very cool thing. Like I said, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> That's yeah. why I, I don't go fishing. I have to go fishing and compete. Yeah. Um, but um, Thresher, Thresher has schizophrenia. And if he gets off his medication, his medication is really expensive, he literally – crawls into a ball under a bed and talks about the people that are coming to take him away. Mm -hmm. If you ever met him in real life when he's on his medication, he is the most gentle, most other-centered, serving, well-adjusted person you've ever met in the world. And then I've got another friend who was the lead guitarist in my band, again, overachiever, um, in, in my band a number of years back ago. And uh, he is a manic depressive. So he's like, I'm going to take over the world. I'm the worst person in the world. I'm, yeah. take over the world. I'm the worst person in the world. Are you talking about me now? <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, it, and he just needs to be on his medication. And he's a powerhouse real estate broker, does commercial real estate, does huge multi-jillion dollar deals and everything else. And is a very well-adjusted human being. 
when he's on his medication. It's so important to figure out, you know, A, I have a problem, admit it, B, go get help. And, and that even ties into business. Uh, a lot of us are entrepreneurial. We want to start a business. We go out, we start these businesses. Things don't go well. We withdraw. We start to alienate ourselves from people. We don't ask for help. You know, I'm a big, bad businessman. I can handle it myself. I got my own ideas. You know, I'm, I'm not going to ask anybody for help or use anybody else's stuff. I'm going to build my own equipment and, and formulate my own soaps and, you know, and, and reinvent my own advertising. And you're like, whoa, 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 stop. And, and things start to go bad. And you're like, now, oh, crap, that stuff didn't work out. If I if I go and I ask people for help, that's like me admitting that I wasn't the smartest guy in the world and yeah, things sure. aren't working out. And and so you, we isolate ourselves and our business just dies. Our family dies. Our, our spirituality dies. All the things die around us because then the income gets shut off and everything. And next thing you know, you're drinking, you're doing drugs, your wife's leaving you, your dog doesn't love you anymore. And, and that's why we need community and camaraderie in this yeah. industry is so that the guys that have been in it for 30 plus years like me can can mentor and help and 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 affirm and and encourage the people who are struggling in the first three, four, five years of business or probably they're 10 years in and they've been screwing up the whole time. But you gotta ask for help. Yeah. Uh, period. I have I have nothing to add to that other than Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So AC, uh, awkward segue. Let's let's yeah. uh, that was good stuff. <laughs> so but, uh, awkward segue. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about you. Let's talk about the story. Like how the heck did you and I get to talking on this podcast? You how did you start Softwash Systems? Um, what the heck is going on in your life? And and why are you so infatuated with ducks that you named your first soft washing company Mallard and, you know, all of this stuff, like what the heck happened, uh, roof cleaning, why, you know, all of the above. Um, oh gosh, I was horny. I wanted to get married and make kids. Yeah. Isn't that why everybody else does it? But pretty much. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this is Bobby Walker with journey of a new entrepreneur podcast. That's AC Lockyer. Thank you folks. Uh, See you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, gosh, it's it's the reason why everybody else does this. Uh, you know, I just wanted to start my life. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wanted to own my own company. It's what my dad did. That's what my grandpa did. You know, at first I, I went to college to become a preacher. That wasn't going to work out. I'm not a conformist. Most people mm -hmm. who are entrepreneurs are not conformists. So I wanted to start my business. I wanted to bring my fiance back from Texas to join me in the business here in Florida and get married. I wanted to start a family. It's it's all the same reasons everybody on this podcast did what they did. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm a super entrepreneur. I get that. But I'm a super entrepreneur with the same humble beginnings that everybody else had, with the same intentions everybody else had, with the same goals everybody else had, which means if you're starting with the same desires, goals, intentions, all that stuff that I had, you could be a super entrepreneur one day if you follow the same path and you get the same influences in your life. Um, but I mean, literally, I came back from college um, after getting kicked out of college, had proposed to Karen, came back here to Florida on my way driving 
back home from Texas to Florida with my 16 foot box truck full of all of my stuff I had and my cat riding on the dashboard. Um, got uh, where we were stopping. This is kind of before cell phones. So I had to stop at rest areas and use the pay phone to call my parents and say, hey, yeah, I'm in Alabama now. You know, I'm doing a okay. truck's running fine. You know, I should see you guys in about seven hours, et cetera. And on one of those calls, I asked my dad, I said, you know, I want to marry Karen. I know, dad, you've given other young guys wanting to get married ideas to start businesses, handyman companies, stuff like that. Give me an idea. I need an idea so I can become an entrepreneur and, and start this business. And my dad said to me, well, the family painter, Ray, the guy that painted all my dad's rental properties and everything else, had just got done pressure washing my parents' house, prepping it for paint. They had a beautiful 5,000 square foot Victorian home on a lake and it had all the gingerbreading and everything on it. So it was like almost continuously being painted. But he said Ray got up on the roof and pressure washed the black streaks off the roof. And wow, it made the roof look like brand new. My dad said, hey, seems to me that would be a good business. You don't have to drive around looking to see if somebody has a vacuum cleaner hiding in their closet. Yeah. You know, yeah. you look at the outside of the house, you know, beautiful landscaping, gorgeous, painted, well-painted house. BMW in the driveway, dirty roof, target customer. And so then from that point on, driving home, I'm dreaming about roof cleaning. So I'm, I'm like Bubba Gump talking about shrimp at that point. You know, yeah. it's like you the first time somebody told you about roof cleaning. What happened, Bobby? You well, started the, looking at roofs and you're just like. Well, the, the first thing <laughs> that happened when someone mentioned roof cleaning, I was like, people clean their dang roof? Like, what, yeah. who the heck does that? But yeah. And then the second thing is you start realizing wow, there's a lot of money on those roofs and you start yeah. seeing it everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I'm driving home thinking about all this stuff. I get home and I'm like, okay, I want to start this roof cleaning business. And literally the only seed money I got from my daddy, I can say I'm, I'm a kid of privilege. I am a third generation entrepreneur. I grew up, I grew up blue collar, wealthy service business, wealthy. Okay. Um, but if you read the book, the story's in there, but my dad went out and we found a thousand dollar Mitsubishi, um, which was the Mitsubishi rebranded as a Dodge D50 pickup truck, little, you know, Mitsubishi pickup truck. And um, I'm seeing if I've got the picture over here somewhere over it. I don't, it's, it's in a pile. So I don't want to look for it right now. Um, and then he bought me a $500 pressure washer from Sam's. Mm -hmm. And I went out and started, you know, with my grandma's roof and then my aunt and uncle's roof. And, you know, I did the same thing everybody else does. In fact, I wasn't even the $99 guy. I was the $49 guy. So <laughs> We're killing the industry, AC. Roofs. You're killing the industry. Yeah, I was cleaning roofs for $49 each, you know. And uh, and I started just like you guys. And, and, you know, Karen and I got married. We got a little rental house. I was 1,100 square foot house with a gravel roof on it. We called it the Love Shack. And we started making babies and then I needed more money and, you know, started growing the company and put a second truck on the road and then a third truck on the road and brought my dad into the business to help me out because he had sold one of his businesses. And I said, hey, you know, since you're not busy now, come in and help me with this. At this point, I'm 25, 26 years old, 25 years old. You can't walk into a bank and say, hey, I'm 25 years old. I'd like to buy eight trucks. They look at you and say, get out of here, kid. The banks only want to loan you money when you don't need money. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And so started building this thing called Mallard Systems. And I started my first year, I called my company Allstate Home Appearance Services. And everybody knows where the Allstate comes from. I was piggybacking off of somebody else's name. 
And then uh, started that in October. By March, I had rebranded it Mallard Systems because I like ducks. Ducks back then were kind of my spirit Indian animal yeah. and uh, like ducks. And um, and eventually that company, first year did 83,000, second year did like 87,000, just a little more the next year. Um, but by year eight, from year one to year eight, we climbed to $4.8 million and had three branches in the state of Florida, wow. had 36 trucks on the road, 18 service trucks and 18 sales trucks, and then made the Florida 100 list for the top 100 fastest growing companies in the state of Florida that were privately held companies. In other words, wow. on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. And so I'm competing against every other company in the state of Florida that's not on the New York Stock Exchange or on the stock exchange, privately held businesses. And the first year we came in like number 93. And the second year we came in like number 87 out of the 100 fastest growing companies in the state of Florida. When was this AC? Year, so that was 99 and 2000. And then in the year 2001, which is the kind of the culminating year, we had all three branches doing $4.8 million a year. Um, and we had run that out for a couple of years. Um, well, I, after I got after the last year or two of inflation, that's probably like $50 million worth of revenue today. Yeah. <laughs> it's 7.3. <laughs> I did the math. Okay. Um, but, uh, and then 2001, I received the Central Florida Up and Comers Award for the top 20 business professionals in the Central Florida market under the age of 40. So it was, it was kind of cool. It was banker, philanthropist, lawyer, roof cleaner. Yeah. And uh, on the list. And it was, um, as a matter of fact, I actually do have that right here because I've been scanning a bunch of this stuff. But here it is from the Orlando Business Journal, the oh, Up and cool, Comers man. Award um, from 2001. And uh, in here, well, I can't remember where exactly where it was, but there's actually the picture here of the listing of all the people. Yeah. Was, on the Florida 100 poster, it was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you can see me right uh, there. I actually back then had brown hair. You can see the yellow PCO. Oh, yeah. Tank yep, yep, yep. And That's awesome, so, man. Yeah. So it was a really, really great run. We did a lot of incredible stuff and um, made a crap ton of money. Oh, yeah. Here's the Florida 100 award program, you know, from um, and Jeb, Governor Jeb Bush actually awarded us our award which was kind of fun that is cool and so just had a good run and 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 the moral of the story is on all that is guys it's roof cleaning i figured out a cool way to sling bleach on a building and there's nothing dumber than that more redneck than that it's you take that turd and you polish it and you and you put a $50,000 skid in the back of your truck and a $4,000 wrap on the truck and you wear sublimated shirts and you, you know, you polish this thing and you make it so professional that people don't want to pay $99 anymore. They want to pay $999 for your service because they see value in it because you see value in yourself. The $99 guy out there selling his stuff for $99, not because the comp, because his customers want the job for $99. It's because that is a reflection of their personal self-worth. Mm-hmm. I sell our services, softwash systems, and network companies of softwash systems. Prices are higher than anybody else in the industry. And our network exceeded $120 million last year. Wow. And you don't do that 
by wearing bleached out blue jeans and smelling and not shaving and showing your tattoos and you know hey, and, hey, hey, hey. hey i know but hey you can wear <laughs> you can wear long sleeves you know you can take all those judgmental rich people and put them in their box and and let them write big checks to you it's okay mm. and um <laughs> And and you just present that great service, that great service. There's no difference between what we do in pest control. They're the same trucks with the same pumps, with the same tanks, with the same technicians, the same marketing, servicing the same customers. Okay. And the pest control companies, the pest control industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And the exterior cleaning industry just finally in the last five years broke a billion dollars. I mean, wow. think about it, people. We're asking the prices we're asking for right now because of our self-limiting beliefs, not because what the market's demanding. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to say. Keep going. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's do this. Let's talk about humble beginnings. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, you you had the pickup. You uh, you know, you had the five hundred dollar pressure washer. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's hear all of the, the technicians that are, you know, the, the technician minded guys is I can, I can hear them groaning right now when they hear the word pressure washer and roof, uh, right. did, did you have some, uh, difficult and expensive education along the way as you, you know, went from that truck with the $500 pressure washer to where you are today? Yeah. So we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any of the resources people have today. I had to figure it out myself. I remember going to Granger. I remember pressure washing my first roof and sandblasting my shins with the aggregate that was coming off the roof and going, oh yeah, this isn't going to work. You know, <laughs> I, this is like a hailstorm in a nozzle. Yo, so AC, I, 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 let me, I want to interject just so I can connect with you here. So that was your first roof. All right. Yeah. My first one was down here in Celebration, Florida. I know you know where that mm -hmm. is. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, I we had decided, uh, hey, we should add roof cleaning. Everyone else on Facebook is saying they do it and it's the best thing ever. So we needed a new batch of flyers. So we just added it to our service listing on our flyers and started handing them out. And real quick, we sold our first roof. And I'm like, well, crap. And uh, and I was How like, do well, it? I don't want to buy equipment because I don't know if we're going to sell many of these things, which is kind of funny right. to say in hindsight. But you don't know when you're not when you don't know, you know. Right. And uh, so I went to I just thought, you know, I know this is the hard way. I know it's not the safe way, but I'm going to go to Home Depot. I bought a, you know, big uh, the biggest backpack pump up sprayer that I could. And uh, before we started that job, we sold one other roof job. And I thought, well, we'll do these first two with the pump up sprayer and we'll let those buy some equipment. I'll just say this. If you got the money, folks, don't do it with the pump up sprayer on your back. It's not fun. Chemical burns takes you 10 times as long. Yada, yada, yada. If you got it buy the pumps, do it right. But that, that was, yeah, I yeah. wasn't up there, you know, it's easy math. It's easy math. Sodium hypochlorite plus anus is not a good thing. No. <laughs> and what he means in case you don't know guys, <laughs> uh, is, you know, you wear these uh, pump up sprayers. Now, fortunately I didn't have any run down my back into my butt crack. Like you're talking about. I've heard those terrible stories. <laughs> I was super careful with that, but here was the problem I had is, well, first off, you know, what, what is a big backpack sprayer? Two gallons, three gallons, four gallons? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Something like three, that. Three, four you know? gallons. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a lot of trips up and down that ladder to clean oh, up yeah. a roof. And no matter how careful you are, I, I was, I was spilt bleach on the straps. So uh, I, I had a nice strap-shaped 
chemical burn right on top of my shoulders when I was done with that, by the time I was done with that second one. And, uh, the worst part about my second one, AC, um, neither one of them actually worked very good. Cause you just like, you can do hell. You could soft wash a roof with a, a little Windex spray bottle. If you have enough forearm yeah, power right. and, and a, you know, but <laughs> a spray bottle is a soft wash system. Exactly. It's an agricultural style sprayer. Okay. That is only used for applying the chemicals and the sprayer has nothing to do with the cleaning and the chemicals do all the cleaning. Exactly. You just would not want to clean an entire roof with. No, you wouldn't want to. And, and I right. couldn't hardly, well, not knowing what I was doing, I wasn't getting enough bleach on those roofs. So, uh, the, the first one was, it was all right. It was good enough, I guess. But the second one, AC, I spent 10, 12 hours on this stinking job. I went up and down the stinking roof all dang day. And all right. it was, was I'm, I was just walking, I would start like at the top of the roof and I'd walk down with my spray pattern going back and forth. And I, you know, s scooted over however many feet it was, I don't know, six feet or whatever. And then I w went back up the roof and did it the back way. <laughs> well, at the end of the damn day, cause I didn't know what to, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about this yeah. stuff. I get down to the roof and I look at it and I'm like, oh, well, I've heard people say that it takes a while, to, you know, to clean it. So by the time tomorrow comes, it'll look good. Well, right. here's what happened. I didn't clean the roof at all, except in the little, maybe six to eight inch, maybe 12 inch spots where I overlapped, you know? So, right. I, so basically so I had a zebra roof. I had a, he had a zebra roof when he was done. So then I just went and bought the stinking pup and came back and, and fixed it with an electrical pump. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'm so sorry. I just, I was like, oh, you no. talk about the first roofs and that was mine, but you were sandblasting shins. I was just, uh, chemical yeah. burning shoulders so so back yeah you, so sorry. basically so basically i realized I couldn't do it with a pressure washer so i went back to my background while i was in high school i was in the ffa and i dual enrolled and i did get 720 hours in horticulture I got my degree actually over sitting on the wall over there and um got a degree in horticulture graduating the top two percent of the state in vocational agriculture for horticulture and so worked seven years in high school and, and the years I was in college in nurseries and, and with plants and stuff. So I knew I could spray algicides and fungicides on plants to kill the fungus that was growing on the plants. And one of them that was very predominant was the black tar fungus that gets on crepe myrtles, looked a lot like the stuff that was growing on roofs. So I knew the con concoction I would mix up and put in an agricultural sprayer to spray the black tar fungus on a crepe myrtle well, I just decided to apply that exact same technology to a roof. Yeah. And so that's where soft washing comes from. Uh, soft washing wasn't me adapting a pressure washer. That was, it was me going, a pressure washer is not going to work. I'm going to shift this direction. I'm going to get an agricultural style sprayer. I'm going to put algicides and fungicides and surfactants in there and spray it up on a roof. And like you spray something up there that I go, Hey, I sprayed it up there. It should come off in a few weeks and die. Well, it did die, but it didn't come off. And so I went, uh, well, most kids that grow up in Florida here, especially back in the day that kids actually had to do chores for their allowance. <laughs> um, I know it's a novel thought. I know there's some people on this podcast right now are like, what? You have yeah, to do short yeah. chores for your allowance? That's what you should make your kids do. Have them work before you give them money. It's it's It works out. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, uh, my dad would have me go out on the back porch with a two and a half gallon pump up sprayer, put a gallon of bleach in it, put a gallon of water in it, put squirted dishwashing detergent, in, pump it up, spray it on the patio furniture, spray it on the indoor outdoor carpet, spray it on the stepping stones and stuff. And it would clean those. So all I did was take 
that bleach and water and soap thought and a pump up sprayer and mix it with the algicides and fungicides and then develop a sprayer that would hold up to the bleach. Because I remember when I first came up with the concept, I went and bought my first pump at Granger. Mm-hmm. And two days later, I was buying my next pump at Granger. And two days later, I was buying my next pump at Granger. And I was trying roller <laughs> pumps and diaphragm pumps and piston pumps. I went through every pump imaginable before I finally found the SureFlow two and a half gallon a minute, 65 PSI electric diaphragm pumps. And everybody, this is where I'm controversial and this is where people don't like me. Um, y'all, All right. Well, hold on. Let me buckle in. I'm ready for this. Okay. If you're Let's ready. do this. Every single one of y'all is using those pumps because of the work that I did back in the day, figuring out what pumps don't work and what pumps did work. And so, you know, y'all are living in the trees and the shade of the trees of the seeds that I planted 31 years ago now. And, and that's okay. I'm proud of that. I'm excited about that. And I'm not competitive about it. I'm just like, you know, just just at least come by and slug me in the shoulder and say, hey, thanks for figuring that pump thing out. Because <laughs> yeah. I am an emotional person and I like a little bit of affirmation every now and then. So it makes me feel good. Um, but a lot of the well, stuff- Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say two things. One, um, uh, imaginary, you know, yeah. uh, shoulder punch. Thank you, AC. And then yeah. I'll follow up with everyone that just heard that and got pissed and say, suck it, haters. <laughs> suck it. Suck All it, right, haters. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, but that's, that's what, that's what pioneers and patriarchs and people that are building the industry do. Yeah. They do it to make a living. You know, people are like, Oh, but actually you make so much money and there's a dot org on the end of your website. You're giving away roof cleaning, right? You're, exactly. you're not charging for it. Right. I mean, you guys are being disingenuous when you say that stuff. Of course, I'm trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. I've got a lifestyle to afford and everything else. And I'll talk about that in a minute with you guys. Um, but, you know, you really have to look at the there are people that came before you that have created the opportunities that you guys are enjoying, like these sublimated shirts. I am the first person who ever had a sublimated shirt. The reason why these are this way is because I used to fish professionally. I was the first person in the fishing world that ever had a sublimated shirt on because I won the national championship and the company that did the sublimated shirts put them on the national champion so everybody would see them and start ordering them. You know, there's there are there's the shade of the trees that many people have planted before you that you guys are enjoying. So every time you see a vet, you see the old guys, I know some of you all millennials, you know, and are out there and you're like, those guys are old and are irrelevant. Well, we may be old and irrelevant, but we break, we blaze the trails that you guys are walking down concrete sidewalks right now. And uh, I'll tell you, AC, I was just actually thinking of some of this stuff, not about soft washing or anything, but, some of this or earlier today, just kind of random thoughts, which is, you know, it's like every young generation, you know, thinks they're smarter than the the older ones. Right. And, and every older generation likes to say, well, this young generation wasn't like uh, they were when I was a kid. And I'm like, well, every generation says that I think probably every generation had, had the problems there, but yeah. um, it, it is, and I don't know if there's a fix for that. Cause like, I know for me, it's just like, you know what? I know personally, um, you change when you're ready to change. You right. have new perspectives when you have new perspectives. And it's like, sometimes you want to slap these guys that are just like, you know, Oh, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, you're standing on the shoulders of giants, yeah. you know? And, and you don't, that doesn't mean you didn't work for what you had. 
because the giants stood on the shoulders of other giants and they still right. worked for everything they had, but you know, let's, let's keep it real, you know? And just like, uh, this wasn't a slightly different subject you were talking about, but like on the money thing, I loved what you said. Is there a .org on the end of your website? It's like, you know, the people that literally the people that bitch about that $99 guy, which suggests that they're the premium person, that they're the high price guy. Right. Will complain about a high price guy. And um, it just doesn't make sense. And you're right. It, I, I, it's either disingenuous or it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, crazy. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, there's not a whole lot, a lot of options in there, but carry on, keep going. Well, and, and, and some of them, their mama didn't teach them no better. They don't know how to do math. You know, they come in and, and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll post on one of my posts and say, I can't believe you're charging that for that. That's only $4,000 worth of parts. I'm like, you're right. And if you were a smart business person, I don't type that, but I try to go in and <laughs> say, I at least try to say, Hey, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you buy breakfast, it doesn't hurt your feelings that they took the eggs, the bacon, the toast and everything else and came up with how much that cost them and multiplied it by three to give you the price for that breakfast. And you gladly pay it. That's all that's all people like me are doing is I'm taking the hoses and the stainless steel hardware and the aluminum and the tanks and the hose reels and all the stuff, the pressure washers and everything else to assemble that thing. I'm taking everything it costs to do that. All the cost of goods is what it's called and multiplying it by three. And that's how I come up with my price. And then you take the cost of goods and then you you subtract from the total overall price what profit you want to make. So if I want to make a nice little 20 percent net profit. 20% back into our pockets in our company, you know, net, net mm. profit. Okay. Then you have to take your cost of goods minus your net profit. And what's in between is your, gives you your budget for your, you know, your operation expense or what they call OPEX. And so you got to pay your sales commissions on that, your payroll, your rent on your facility, your electric bill, you know, you start adding up all of those other expenses. And, you know, it's, it's, and, and some of these, discussions or debates I get into on Facebook, I'm training these people how to price their product. They come in, they ask all the time, all these posts online, hey, what would you price for this? What would you price for that? What would you price for this? They never ask, hey, could you teach me how to understand how I build a price? How I understand what my overhead is? How I understand what my break even is every day? How much money do I have to put into reserves to survive the winter? How much money do I have to put into reserves to grow my company and buy my next truck and, and buy my next piece of equipment? How much net profit should I have? What is an equitable you know, owner's salary for the size company I have? And then when you do all of that math and you figure out what your business needs to do per year, you take your capacity of what your one truck can do. Let's say if you're in Florida and you can work 50 weeks a year, that's yeah. 2,000 hours you can run that truck. And you divide... The entire nut that you that goal that you want to hit for your company that year, you divide it by two thousand. That tells you your hourly rate. You look at the job and you say, "How many hours is it going to take me to do it?" Three hours. Well, I have a two hundred dollar an hour hourly rate. Well, I have to get at least six hundred bucks for that job, or I'm not on model and making a profit. Mm -hmm. Nobody asks how to get to the price. They just want, "Hey, what would you guys price for this?" And and it's and it's just we've got a lot of. Um, Oh, gosh, people not really wanting to learn in this industry. We have a lot of people just wanting to get things fed to them. Yeah. And I don't mean feed. I don't mind feeding. I'd rather tell you what the price is so you don't get injured. I get people all the time. Hey, you see, I'm 
uh, I've been in business three months and I'm, I'm getting ready to quote an apartment complex. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, doing an apartment complex? Number one, but number two, I don't want you to screw it up for the people who are bidding against you and throwing a low ball price. So I'll help you price it. So you're yeah. at least in the stratosphere on it. You may or you may not get it, but at least you won't be sandbagging or hurting the people that really deserve the job. And, it, and it's just crazy. People just don't understand money. And it's why most of these pressure washing businesses, we're seeing the great sell-off right now. All the people got in the business in the last two to three years, selling off their equipment because we hit a little itsy-bitsy bump in the economy. And things <laughs> yeah. are going down a little bit. And people are just bailing out and cutting their wrists and you know, and just flailing out there and selling off their equipment and everything. Why? Because they had no margin. They didn't know how to price the job. They weren't interested in how to price the job. They were just interested in pricing it, winning it, and getting a very short gratification for the amount of money they got in. Yeah, good stuff. Um, you're doing my job for me today, AC, so <laughs> keep doing it. So um, I'm, I'm going to keep going back in time with you here. So you uh, you figured out what soft washing was. You know, You figured out you needed to do this chemical process. You, um, you know, you're called Mallard now you're, you're a dude with a truck. Mm -hmm. You end up, you know, scaling, um, you know, adding additional trucks, X, Y, and Z. Um, as you're doing this, you're clearly, you have, you've had a great deal of success with it. What are some of the, you know, could you share one or two, you know, of the best lessons you learned from the mistakes you made, you know, through that process that probably other people are likely to make if they're listening and haven't been that far down the road yet? Could you give a, a, a word of wisdom and caution to some, some people? Um, yeah, boy, I could do so many. Uh, that's so tough and hard. I'll tell you. Let's probably, do two. Let's, or we can do three, but let's just let's do a couple or something or whatever. So uh, you don't kill yourself. I'll tell you the, 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 the greatest fall and the greatest crash that I had. OK, the thing that that hurt me the most is rarely do partnerships work out rarely do partnerships with family work out. I went into business with my dad and that worked out for a while. In 2003, we separated and got out of business with each other. And he kept the residential side of the business and, and kept Mallard. I took the commercial side and renamed it TerraClean. And I did a million five a year, uh, took home a $250,000 a year salary, uh, fished 150 days a year. Life was wonderful. Mm -hmm. About 2009, we all know what happened to the economy. 2010, my dad went basically completely belly up as he got into real estate speculation. We know what happened to real estate then. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, hey, listen, we're older, we're wiser. Let's circle the wagons. Let's get back into the biz together. I invited him back into the business and we started doing business together. And then uh, it was... Oh, um, it was, it was actually, uh, it's 2009. He got back into it and it was about October of 2009. We had a really, 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 really bad family business breakup, huge yeah. battle, huge war type of thing where I didn't talk to my dad for seven years. It was, wow. it was awful. And, and there was a lot of junk that happened that led me to just have to sign over my company to my dad and walk away from my business Kind of, you know, kind of like Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife's house with, you know, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife just holding his cloak and him running naked through the streets. I mean, I didn't have anything left in my name. By the time I settled all my accounts and everything and 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 got to the bottom, 
I was broke all the way down to my last 250 bucks. Wow. And Ron Musgraves had invited me to do a national cleaning expo and had me as the keynote speaker that I was going to a month later. And I literally showed up to that event and, and with my last 250 bucks in my pocket and 100 business cards that said I was a business consultant now and I was the professional <laughs> business guide and, um, and, and did not want to get back into this industry. And ended up back in this industry. And what a lot of people don't know is Softwash Systems exists today as a 100% cash grown, no loans, no privilege, scratching my way out of my hole, being broke down to my last 250 bucks, leveraging the relationships I had because I kept my good name through all of it. A lot of people looked at me and said, hey, AC, you know, yeah, if you want to you want to buy chemicals, you want to get equipment or whatever, we'll give you terms. You can have 60 to 90 days and all. And I got out and I sold and I pushed and I grind and I I drove around the country with my wife's suburban full of chemicals in the back, stopping off and doing lunch and learns at restaurants and selling the chemicals to afford the hotel room and the gas for the next stop. And I hustled for three years to get to a point where we were able to have a little business called Softwash Systems. And it took about three years for us to break a million dollars. And then we started the doubling thing like happened with, with Mallard Systems. And, you know, and, and now we're, we're not a huge company, but we're a pretty dadgum large company. Um, And, and we do really, really well. Um, But people would be surprised, you know, people look at, as, you know, people like you and I that are in the public eye, they always see all the great stuff on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and people, you know, they, they, they think I'm a, you know, well, I, I am a multimillionaire, but they, they have in their mind what a multimillionaire makes yeah, and what his lifestyle is and what kind of house he lives in and everything else. And I'm kind of the Sam Walton multimillionaire kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I, we only take a $75,000 a year paycheck out of the company. My wife gets 75, I get 75. There are people with one truck soft washing that make more than I do. Yeah. Most people don't know that. Okay. Um, we do get, my wife gets a car payment out of the company. We went out and bought a used Suburban for $36,000. Everybody knows I drive around a 1960 Ford pickup truck. Yep. That's my Dave Ramsey car. I own that free and clear. But I got way more in that than anybody should reasonably have in a truck. <laughs> yeah, you do. it's a pretty cool. Not a good example of spending money wisely, but I enjoy it and it's paid for. It was a good example to... of spending wise money. I'll yeah. say, tell you that. Yeah. And so um, and so, you know, we get a, an expense card, you know, to buy our gas and and have meals out and all. And we lead a very nice lifestyle because we travel the world because we've got business interests in nine countries now and. And everything else. But guys, I'm telling you, my total package, my total package, health insurance and everything else that I take out of my company is less than two hundred thousand dollars a year. Hmm. And it is a multi, multi million dollar company. And I watch so many people get these pressure washing companies going and they get foolish with their money. They think they're rich. They they go out and they upgrade the house and upgrade the cars and buy all the toys and go on the vacations and, and do all this stuff. And they don't reinvest back into their company. I mean, my companies up until this year, my companies were 
100%, all of my companies, 100% debt free. We didn't owe anybody nothing. Um, now, this year, Disruptor Manufacturing, we decided to do a huge vertical integration with us doing our own plastics now and our own metals and things like that. And we spent darn near a half million dollars and, you know, about 350000 of that. We did take out an open line of credit from the bank to buy some equipment, stuff like that. And we'll pay that off very quickly and we'll be very deliberate about that. But man, it shocks me how many people do not exercise delayed gratification in their businesses. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, AC, yeah, I struggle with that. Not, not, I don't, I haven't ever taken a lot of money from the business for myself, but, uh, you know, I've been decent at making money in my life, but well, I like toys too, you know, and my, and, and I don't do the cars and the, this and that yeah. I, I like my, my digital toys and, you know, the, the, the smaller things but that are still pretty stinking expensive and stuff. But, um, you know, that's something that, uh, I, I don't think people get, you know, like even with my company, you know, mine's not anywhere near what, what you've built, but, uh, you know, people I've, I've got a lot of people I just I don't think it's all people I got a lot of people that, that think I'm rolling in it and I'm like I ain't rolling it and I, I will tell you what I've done yeah. I've built a pretty cool lifestyle you know um, I keep less money but I have a team running my company which is a part of my goal you know um, you know that they're my my net worth is going up as a result of that as the company grows and uh, you know I get a little bit of money there and 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 it frees me up to do things that I'm passionate about and get in there but uh, I, I do get, you know, I do see those, those people, you know, when it's like they start out and then they, start, you know, you start seeing the toys and the jet skis and the, this and the, that, right. and the, you know, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, gosh, like Ooh. I run, I run one of these businesses too. I kind of understand margins and, and yeah. <laughs> you know, I start doing the math and I'm like, something doesn't look like it's going to end well here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to, you're going to watch them crash and burn real yeah. soon. And then you get to buy and, and uh, it's, and affordable it's equipment. Game. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. It is a shame because I, I honestly, I don't think there's a lot of bad people out there. You know, I mean, you know, bad people tend to be the noisy ones, you know, but I don't think there's a lot of bad people out there. Um, a lot of good people, you know, self-included, you know, I, you included, you know, we can be foolish at times. And, um, and that it is sad to see that, you know, you see people that, that do those things and, and just kind of get their butt handed to them and, and then they just disappear and you know, like, you just don't hear from them again. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of shame and a lot of, uh, you know, shame might be too harsh of a word, but probably a lot of embarrassment and stuff that that goes along with that. But I think that comes back to something you were talking about at the very beginning, which is, um, people that are unwilling to reach out, you know, and ask for help. And right. that's something that I'm happy. I'm happy with myself on that. Now there's been times where, you know, there's ebbs and flows in life, but, I've always been the dude that said, man, just find the other guy that's successful in the way that you want to be. And then just reverse engineer that stuff, you know, watch him and, and, and learn from, you know, him or her, you know, watch them and, and copy it because, you know, there are some new, there are some new things out there. There's going to be some new invention, you know, that comes out and changes the world but the new inventions are like that 0.0000001% of right. all the things. And then everything else is the established stuff that just works. And yeah, um, King Solomon in Ecclesiastes says, 
there's nothing new nothing, under the sun. Nothing new under. I, I was thinking of that that quote. As a matter of fact, there's nothing new under the sun, yeah. and. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I know for me, you know, even in my business, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely screwed up a lot of things, you know, as I've been growing this, but, you know, arrogance tends to come into play on stuff as well. Mm. And the same thing that can keep people from wanting to reach out and get help, um, you know, can, it, arrogance can be blinding too. You know, it's like you, you don't even, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you've got a particular right. filter on, you know, on your, on your eyeballs. So that way, when you look in the mirror, it's the arrogance filter and you might not even see it. You might not even know that it's happening, but holy cow, it's eaten away. And I do have, there's a little part of me that, uh, you know, uh, there's not a little part at all. There, there's a big part of me on both sides of this. When I'll see people that'll be like, ah, I don't need no coach. I need X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I, I've got everything on my own. And I'm thinking, really, you, you learned on your own without any help, how to create, to build a, a right. combustible engine. And then you learned how to make a transmission and you, you build a chassis and you put, you know, it's like, people don't understand what they're saying. They're, they're literally typing from a phone, sending stuff to outer space and back, letting you know that right. they don't need help for anything. And they're a self-made man. And I'm like, a lot of giants you're standing on, buddy. And that's right. If you'd be willing to just stand on one more giant shoulder, think of what you could have. And obviously, there's people out there. Well, you know, and I don't. I'm not going extreme, like on the. You know, I'm not making like a socialist point, but but I do believe. You know, in in today's society, where we are all um, a, a portion of our success has to do with what some other people have done. Even right. if it's as, even if it's as, you know, uh, I don't want to say silly, but I'll say it, you know, even if it's sil as silly as me saying, did you learn how, did you invent the combustible in internal uh, combustible engine? Did you create yeah. a car that drives your pressure washer? You know, that we, we are all here because of some work that other people have put in. And um, there's some guys though, that, you know, despite the fact that they're using the public roads that they, they navigate it and they do have that success without, you know, the coach that helped them or without the course or without the info. But, um, but, but imagine where they could be if they yeah. dropped the arrogance and took the help and, and imagine how many people didn't get there. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe that person was lucky. Maybe that person was just exceptionally skilled, but you know, there's a lot of people that make money day trading, but it ain't going to be you, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, there's a lot yeah. of people that, that make it big in Vegas, but it ain't going to be you. And just because someone hit the lotto, it doesn't mean it's going to be you. And um, so well, I guess, and, my and, point and, I'll, and I'll take it down to, to me personally, um, just because they're not at softwash systems anymore and they're not an in-network company doesn't mean it was my fault mm -hmm. or, or my company's fault yeah. or the people in the other, in the network's fault. When people fail, what you'll notice is when people fail or they have issues because of their arrogance, they throw up a smoke screen and they blame it on other people. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the definitions people, of a bitch here in the no bitch zone is someone that yep. blames other people for their lack of success. Yeah. And so truly humble people that aren't arrogant when they fail, they'll go, listen, it just didn't work out for me. There was a rub. It was mostly me. Uh, I'm just going a different direction. Okay. Mm -hmm. You immediately know somebody is arrogant when they turn around and they start to blame other people mm -hmm. for their own failings. And, and that hurts, not only hurts them because they could have asked for help and they could have stepped up to the plate. They could have taken advantage 
of the resources they were given. But because they didn't, that's bad enough. When they lie and throw up the smoke screen and try to say it's somebody else's fault, they lead other people away and they become that negative voice. And then other people that could have benefited from that, you know, it could be soft wash systems, could be the PWNA, it could be a particular supplier, it could be, a, a, you know, somebody that's a mentor in the industry, it could be a bunch of different things. But then those people sit there and go, well, I don't want to do that because I heard that person's a jerk or I heard they're only concerned about the money. And now they're missing a wonderful opportunity that they could have got plugged into community and something that could have really blessed their business because somebody else was too arrogant to say, nope, it was me. I screwed up. I got kicked <clears throat> out because I didn't follow the 50 point standard. I was up on a roof without ropes. It was the third time they caught me doing that. So they kicked me out of soft wash systems. So now I'm going to come up with the smoke screen to make it look like their fault, not mine, because yeah. they're too proud. And that's yeah. a shame because it hurts other people. It is a shame. And uh, well, I will we'll wrap this, this topic up with a, a fun little story here. But uh, yeah. Brandon Vaughn, someone you know very, very well. Uh, you yes. know, he, he's a, well, was, I guess he's out of the business now, but was a soft wash systems guy. And, yep. and uh, you know, I, he's, Actually, I think he talked about you. He was one of my first guests on the podcast years ago. And I think he even talked about you uh, on that back then. But, uh, you know, Brandon is a very, um, he's a very disciplined person. And, yes. and in one way that he's disciplined is how he presents himself, you know, like he's very tactful, tactical in, you know, his public persona. And I don't say that in a negative way, you know, like he's, he, he has a certain level of privacy he wants over. He's the opposite of me. You know, I'm just like, mm -hmm. here's my crazy life, you know, and, but he's more, you know, right. reserved. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, he tries not to be a, a jerk. Like I don't tend to avoid and yada, yada, yada. Right. So I'm just trying to paint. We're, paint we're in that support group together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to paint that picture for the people that don't know Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> and so on this topic, I was thinking, I, oh gosh, this is such a funny one. Brandon made a comment one time and it was in a thread with people that were, you know, bitching and moaning and groaning about, you know, paying people for coaching and X, Y, and Z. And he ended up, he deleted it too. He, he made a comment that he went back and deleted it uh, a little later. And the comment was, this, it's not bad. I don't think he would might be shared. He was just, uh, it wasn't anything significant, but uh, someone said, uh, you know, there, there was just this, uh, I don't know if it was a debate, but whatever, some guys going back and forth and Brandon got in there and someone saying, you shouldn't pay for coaches. And Brandon was like, uh-huh. And then that guy was like, nah, uh, and then Brandon was like, uh-huh, nah, -uh. you know, just, so whatever their, their talking points were, I don't really yeah. remember. And then one guy said, listen, I don't need a coach to help me sell better. Um, I can learn everything I need from a Grant Cardone book. And then Br this was Brandon's response that was just so great. And he goes, you know, I was going to read that book, but he charged, uh, he charges money for it. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I never even looked at it that way. But these, you know, it's like you guys, you're you're paying for this no matter what. They, right. I don't even think they have a problem with coaches. I don't think they believe that you shouldn't learn from other people. I really just think it comes down to they have so little things to hang their hat on and their own accomplishments, and they have so little ego, or, or maybe so large ego. I don't know. Big. Yes. How yes. about fragile? You know, how about so fragile an ego? that the the thought that they would admit that they learned from someone else is very painful for them mm. but they don't even hear their own you know contradictions when they're like well i can all learn it from this other dude that takes my money 
And it's like yeah. the only difference is that dude sold it to a billion people. So his book's a bit cheaper than this other guy's, you know, training program or something like that. But anyway, I, I'm oh, just yeah. ranting. I, yeah. I, I the, don't even have a hundred year old saying to that is there's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and to, and to look at somebody and, and demean them because they're making a buck providing whatever service they're providing is the most disingenuous, most self-centered, most egotistical thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, let people make a decent living when old guys in the industry get to the point where they can't sling bleach anymore and climb around on roofs. If they want to teach people how to sling bleach and climb around on roofs, you should bless them with the business because they've got a lot of wisdom to give you and people need coaches. I mean, you look at every Olympic athlete, everybody that's out there has a coach. Mm -hmm. All the people that are successful have a coach. Elon Musk has a coach. Trust me. Donald Trump Um, had a coach uh, when he was president. Uh, Barack Obama had a coach when he was president. Uh, Actually, it was the same guy, ironically. Uh, Well, one of their coaches, at least. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure they had more than one. But so, AC, let's do this. Uh, Actually, this is I kind of hate to do this, but this. Uh, got to wrap it up. Yeah. Time's got away from us here, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to end it just yet. So I'm holding up. I have not read your book yet. So when we had dinner the yes. other night, you gave me this and actually, by the way, uh, don't tell me if you sign the same stuff for everyone else, but you're, you know, you signed it for me and, and wrote a little message and, and I ain't going to lie. It, it was a short, simple one, but it hit me in the feels AC. And I appreciate that. It, it really, Thank did. You. but, um, the five keys to pattern success, um, share, Talk to me about it. You know, what, what are people going to get out of this thing? Maybe, you know, drop, may, drop a little nugget from the book that'll make people want to go get all the other nuggets in there. Yeah. So, so this is um, the first published book that I have that is 100% me. Uh, and when I talked to my publisher about it, uh, I said to the publisher, I said, you know, there's, I'm trying to control my PR. I'm trying to shape my PR and what people think about me. I want to do an autobiography. And she looked at me and went, AC, you've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot in your life and everything else, but nobody cares about you. <laughs> nobody wants to hear your story. Yeah, no, I mean, she's like, I mean, there's people that want to hear your story and everything, yeah, AC, yeah. but you never lead off with an autobiography unless you've done something like totally incredible. You're, you're president of the United States and it's the first book you wrote. Yeah. You might do an autobiography. And she, and, and she goes, so we were going through all of my material because I have – on our Softwash Academy learning management system, we have over 250 courses. Um, and then I have above and beyond that, just in an archive file of my business stuff and all the different classes I've done over the years, about another 200 classes. And one of those classes was my five keys to pattern success class. And she loved that. She said, that would be a great framework for the book mm-hmm. is do a book on your five keys to pattern success. And then for each one of the keys, Bring people into your life and tell them a story of when you used that key. Mm-hmm. And that way you can get a little bit of autobiography into the book. You can get your five keys, business or, or personal life system that you've used into the book. For each one of the keys, you could introduce a business system that works inside of that particular key. So that's what this book exactly is. It's it's uh, 27 chapters. Um, broke down into seven sections, an introductory section, a section on each of the five keys, which is be deliberate, execute, analyze, replicate, systemize. Um, And then in each one of those keys, there's a um, story about when I use the key myself. 
there's a um, then it goes into defining the key and 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 why it works. And then the third chapter in each one of the sections is um, a business system or a or, or a goal setting system or life system that helps you to really develop out that key. And so in this, you get not only the five key system, but there's about eight other systems in here. I go into my popcorn marketing in here. I go into my million dollar map in here. Um, there's a ton of stuff. You've seen Pat Clark do my million dollar map. You've seen some of the stuff you'll see in here is stuff that Brandon Vaughn even uses. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that have been blessed because I ran around as a consultant for a long time and would do what we called a five-day wilderness excursion with people. And they'd hire me to come in and work on their business for a week. And you'll see some of the things that I've done that people are like, oh, I wonder what that system is. A lot of that's spelled out in this book. Um, and then there's a wrap-up conclusion section in this. Um, I talk about my my spirit Indian animal um, changed from a duck to a hummingbird a decade ago, and I talk about that. And and so reading this book is great. Um, it's great. It's number fourteen type, so it's easy to read. It has pictures, which, <laughs> which is wonderful. If you're not an awesome reader, it's a easy book to read. Most people who have read this book read it in about three hours. Um, and it will change your life. Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son, the great yeah, American yeah. Zig Ziegler, um, went ahead and um, endorsed the book, as well as did Howard Partridge and a few other of my friends. And um, it's it's just a really solid book. If you're if you're a service business person or really any small business, this is a great book to lead because this is what got me. The stuff that's in here is the stuff that got me to where I am today. It's what helped me build my $4.8 million year soft washing company, Mallard Systems. And, um, and, and, and this will make you successful. If you take it to heart, if you drop the arrogance and you drop the bad ego, good ego is good, bad yeah. ego bad. Um, if you drop that, that, that fragile ego thing and you take it to heart and you execute, this book will completely reroute your life and change your life for the better. Good stuff. Well, I can't wait to read it. I'm just, I've got like three books on my list. I'm in the middle of the second one, by the, since you gave me this, but this is, this is book four uh, on my current list that I'm in. So yeah. I can't wait to do that. AC, where can people find this thing? If, uh, if they want to get a copy. Yeah. So it's really easy. It's on Amazon. Um, the audio book is done. We're uploading it now and, and getting it all set up to where you'll be able to go to audible and oh, that's cool. do the audio book. So for those of you that don't enjoy reading, but like to do auto university and drive around your car um, and listen to books, you'll be able to get it there. You can get it at soft wash systems too, on the shopping cart. And uh, we prefer you buy it there because I, I do net a little more money from okay. the book. If you buy it there, um, Amazon, it's not a very favorable deal, but I get in the rankings because of it. People all across the world can get it. Um, and so you can get it there. And, uh, and then if you want to find out more about me, I know that you're going to uh, add these links to the podcast. Yep. Um, my company's own is Softwash Systems. That's softwashsystems.com. We help put people in the soft washing business. I also own Disruptor Manufacturing. Again, disruptormanufacturing.com. Uh, we're a contract manufacturing company that has uh, product lines uh, for different types of spraying equipment, but we also do white label equipment for other companies. And um, then I have my professional company, which is Pro Biz Guide, P R O B I Z G U I D E dot com. 
Um, if you want to have me speak at your convention or event, or if you want to follow more of my books that are upcoming and publishing, we've got another one we're working on right now. Or if you want to dig into more of the stuff that's in the Five Keys book, um, we're developing out the website, and adding more content that you can leave the Five Keys book, go to the website and go even deeper on some of the concepts. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes so you guys can mm -hmm. just click on them and find it. And if you're going to buy the book, buy it at Softwash Systems. Well, I don't know. Part of me wants to do it at Amazon because, I mean, you probably don't need, you probably need the ranking more than you need. I don't know. Buy I, it from wherever you need to buy it, guys. But <laughs> my wife, my wife says buy it from Softwash Systems. My heart says buy it from Amazon. So yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but both seem to be like a very strategic uh, way to do it. So yeah. Um, hey, yo, uh, fun little fact, just because I know you've got a relationship with them, and it just can be another little anecdote that that Tom might hear. But uh, Tom Ziegler, which you know, I don't know a lot about Tom. Uh, I, I know of his father, of course. Uh, hmm. So uh, Zig Ziglar, one of the greatest uh, uh, American, you know, guys, uh, I don't know what you call him, but on leadership. public speakers. And, yeah. Yeah. Motivational speaker, um, motivation and, and public speaking or motivation and, and leadership. He's, uh, you know, when, when I think of Zig, I think of people like John Maxwell and, you know, these, these, these just titans that, that have really helped shape, you know, uh, leaders in our country. And, um, my my introduction to him ac was actually as a high school football player we did mm. our thursday night uh team meals but uh the night before um you know our, our football game that week and one of the things uh, our coach would do is read excerpts from some of zig's books to the right. team and truthfully that entire program i had two different coaches that coach ended up leaving and then but, but the the other coach that replaced him was still amazing from that program and um that type of culture, you know, it wasn't all Zig Ziglar stuff, but clearly that had an impact, but you know, right. my, my football program and my coaches and these, this, this mentality of success and, and motivation and leadership, um, big impact on who I am today. So next time you talk to Tom, tell him that you just talked to a dude that said, man, your dad's books were read at his high school football stuff. And that's why I was on his podcast because of the influence that he had on it. So, so share awesome. that if you don't mind, that's cool stuff. And AC. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Um, I know we just did it, but I can't wait uh, till we get back together and eat some more schnitzel. And well, I do the schnitzel, you do the sausages, I think, but can't wait to do that again and get the wives together. And um, guys, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to say you're the reason I do it, but I just like to hear my own voice, but you're the reason <laughs> I probably keep doing it. <laughs> but thank you all for listening to the show. I love you all. I respect you all. I appreciate you all. And uh, remember, if you're not doing the things that you want to do in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not mm -hmm. pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. That's right.